0: So before we uh, get into the passages for today, uh, first we will have communion, another reminder, important reminder. But last week, I don't know why I did this, and it's it's weird how sometimes you say things like you shouldn't say, but I had said at some point, I listened to the podcast, and at some point I was sharing on the Sermon on the Mount closing up, and I said it closes up in chapter 6. It doesn't close up in chapter 6, it closes in chapter 7, and I don't know why I said that, um, but... I just wanted to make sure and correct that, because we're still going to continue today in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, and uh, Jesus has so much more to teach us, and so we will finish the Sermon on the Mount next Sunday, just in time for Easter service. So I don't know how we, we didn't plan that out, but we're, it's pretty neat that we'll finish the Sermon on the Mount, we'll have Easter service, and then we'll begin in a basically kind of a new series. So that worked out just wonderful, just uh, by God's ordination, so, so each week I've titled these messages through the Sermon on the Mount as heart conditions. And we're learning through the scriptures, through God's word, what our heart condition should be as followers of Jesus Christ. Ones that have committed our lives to Jesus as our Lord. So I don't know about you, but I I keep asking the same question each week. How has your heart condition been this week? We're going to take communion today. So this is really important today, isn't it? How has your heart condition been this week? In last week's message, I preached on possessions and worry. And again, after I listened to that podcast, so I listen to it every week to make sure and listen and make sure if I said something maybe, or like, that's how I caught that. When I listened to the podcast, I'm like, what was I, why did I say that? I actually caught it in the podcast and Laura does that for us. But as I was listening to the podcast, it's interesting listening, because it's way different from when you're speaking or preaching than listening. And as I was listening, I noticed I really had some pretty strong rebukes in last week's message uh, concerning trusting God and believing in His Word. And I looked at that. In fact, what I said, it was one or the other, who is Lord of your life, was something I said last week. It was one or the other, who is Lord of your life, who... Or what do you serve? I asked then us last week to really examine how we spend our time and our thoughts concerning our possessions. Then I said, Jesus tells each of us that if we worry about basic provisions that, let me get this right, if we are worrying about basic provisions in our life, that we are not trusting God. And then, if that is the case, the scripture was clear. We are acting as those who have not placed their faith in Jesus. That was a pretty strong message, I thought, after I listened to it. I was like, wow, did I say all that? It's true, though, isn't it? It's really true. If we are worrying about our basic provisions in life, we are not trusting the Lord, and we are not trusting His word and His promises. So I hope this week, for each of us, that we all have been seeking heavenly treasures, not the things of the world. And each of us have been trusting this week for God to provide for our needs each and every day anew. So again, as we're going through this, Jesus has given us an outline through the Sermon on the Mount of how each of us can walk in this world as children of God. I want to share a story from the Bible before we get going in today's message from King David. So if you've got your Bibles... We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, don't worry, but turn to 2nd Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. 2nd Samuel chapter 12 verse 1. So the Lord went to Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of a rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lived, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to that poor man for the one he stole, for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I have anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. So I begin with this story to introduce into the message. We're all familiar. I think most of us are familiar with this story. David quickly, very quickly, very adamantly and very passionately judged this person then was rebuked, rebuked by the prophet for his own sin. Yes, we know as the story continues, he did repent, but we also know there are consequences, great consequences, that David still did pay for his sin that he committed. So the question as we begin this message, as we see in this story with King David, is do we look at others' sins and judge them? Or is that the standard that we set in our own lives? This is what David did here. He's like, kill the man. Yeah, we know what David had done, don't we? So today we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 7. Now just a little interlude. So Matthew chapter 7, let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Famous verse. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Again, Jesus is continuing with a lesson and an instruction that's given to all of us, saying, don't judge others. We've all heard this, right? I mean, everyone's heard this. But then Jesus gives us further details. He really expounds on it. And as I started looking at this verse... I also see, as he says this, I also see a blessing there. Do you guys see a blessing inside that first two verses? It says, we will not be judged. So you think about this. We've got to make sure that we understand this correctly. Look at the verse. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. I want to be clear, though. What is this verse talking about? It's speaking of our relationships with other Christians, other brothers and sisters in Christ others in the church this exhortation from jesus is not speaking of our relationship with him it is speaking about our personal relationships with each other with the church and not outside of the church either we'll continue you'll see it he's talking to, about us within the church isn't it amazing we this famous sermon he has to address our relationships within the church it's not really surprising at all is it we know each other huh so, again, I want to be clear as we start getting into this message what this judgment, judging is speaking of. Because God may deal with us if we are condemning His children so that God can get involved in this. In fact, I just want to make sure this is understood because, again, this is not about our relationship to God. Jesus took care of that, right? But look at Romans 8.1, just to make sure we understand this. Romans 8.1. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Alright? So we want to be clear on that before we get into this judgment. What it's talking about. Back to Matthew chapter 7. So the lesson as I see it, if we condemn others for their own shortcomings, or their maybe even sins, we also then become accountable with that same standard that we used. You think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but as I've taught through the Sermon on the Mount, I've gone through all these lists of things, you know, one by one, right? All these things, from adultery to lust to prayer to fasting to possessions to worry. There's a bunch more. I don't have a list in front of me. Each week, I just get convicted of these things. And it's so strange, like, I mean, not strange to be convicted of it, but it's it's like, I almost struggle. It seems like I struggle with it each week that I'm teaching on it. Which I, maybe I don't think I'm struggling anymore. It must be the Holy Spirit through His Word revealing to me the truth of that. Isn't that amazing? And then I almost wonder if there's like an aspect of spiritual warfare as I've been teaching through this. Because all of a sudden I'm, I'm teaching about possessions or I'm teaching about worry or I'm teaching about lust or I'm teaching, and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like battling this during the week. It's so interesting. Or maybe I always, maybe it's just the Holy Spirit saying that I need to repent of these things. I don't know it's been interesting for me and I think it's it's amazing because the point of this passages are to show us how we're to live as Christians and week by week I learn these things and I address each one of them in my life and then I repent or I change that behavior or whatever that would whatever that would need be. So again back to the passage I just it's been amazing as I've studied through this with that. As we look at these first few verses. I think all of us here, we uh, like to preach God's grace and mercy to be given to each one of us over our lives and all the things that we do, right? We love that grace and mercy to be poured out on us, right? I mean, we love it. Who doesn't want grace and mercy? But are we, as it's been given to us, are we given, giving this same grace, this same mercy to those around us that aren't perfect either? Are you? Are you? This convicted me this week. Turn to Luke. We're going to look at Luke 6.37. Luke 6.37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. What standard... Think about this. The standard is the word that's used in my Bible. What standard... Would you want to be judged by others in the church? What standard? What standard do you use? Are we more concerned in our lives as we look around at our brothers and sisters with what they are doing or what they are not doing? Or are we more concerned of how we are living as Christians? Let's continue. This one hit home for me. I'm telling you what, it hit home. Matthew chapter 7, let's look at 3 through 5. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Verse 5, hypocrite, first get rid of the, the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Quite an illustration, isn't it? Jesus uses this big picture, this big illustration. It shows us a picture that we can all imagine in our minds. we have all familiar with this passage. That we each must not be self-righteous or hypocrites as we come along others to help them. It's not saying that we shouldn't help them. It's saying that we should not be self-righteous or hypocrites as we do come along to help them. Because very often, that is the case. Turn to James chapter 4, 4:11 4, through 12. This spoke to me. And I want to share it with you. I had a lot of scriptures today, but they really really just spoke to me. I really believe the Holy Spirit was using these words in our Bibles to speak to me, to convict me. James chapter 4:11 and 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is a judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Again, we are called to walk alongside, to help one another. Iron sharpens iron, we know the verse. To help our brothers and sisters in Christ, but... We must examine our own walk and motives before reaching out, trying to help another brother or sister. I pray that if, if I am the one that God would have speak into their lives, if I am the one. Do you see how I said that? Because you know what? Very often, we aren't the one. I think that's important. We see it. And I'm not saying it's not true. But very often, God will call someone else call that person's life so i pray that you know when we see these things that we pray that the holy spirit would show us who would you have speaking to that person's life we examine our own lives we look at our own side of the street what are our motives is it restoration is it love but very often is it me because very often people that speak into other people's lives aren't invited by god to speak into that person's life we really got to pray about this We really got to pray about this and ask that Holy Spirit would give each of us wisdom in this. I want to share a a quote. I got a couple quotes today. This again is from Warren Worsby. He did such a good job at this. He says, The purpose of self-judgment is to prepare us to serve others. Christians are obligated to help each other grow in grace. When we do not judge ourselves, we not only hurt ourselves, but we hurt those To whom we could minister. The Pharisees judged and criticized others to make themselves look good. But Christians should judge themselves so that they can help others look good. There is a difference. So we must pray. Pray and ask the Lord to reveal that are we the one that God has called to deal with that speck in our friend's eye? Are we the one? What purpose would it serve? Us going to that person. What purpose would it serve? Think about that question. It's really important when we're talking about addressing someone else's shortcomings or sin. And who is being built up in that discussion? Is it all pointing to Jesus? Is it pointing to me? Right? Like, hey, I saw this and I noticed, you know, what's it about? So Jesus has even more to say about this. Back in Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at verse 6. He adds, adds a little bit here. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn back and attack you. So Jesus, at the end of this, this exhortation, he gives an additional point or condition on this, is what I see. Again, this exhortation was to us in dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ. Now... He's making sure that it's clear this was not for outside of the church. There's other ways in other scriptures about that. So often I think a lot of us in the church try to do the job of God or try to do the job of the Holy Spirit, going out and talking to unbelievers that don't know the Bible, that have not professed Jesus as their Lord, and start to tell them about how they should live. It's not going to go over very well, is it? They're blinded to these things. Their eyes have not been opened to spiritual things. They don't have Jesus as Lord of their life. Turn to Proverbs. Proverbs is great. I just taught on Friday. We should be reading it every day. Because there's great wisdom in Proverbs. And here's another little bit. Proverbs 9, verses 7 through 9. Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise and they will love you. I think this verse in Matthew chapter 7 gets misinterpreted and misapplied a lot. You know, unbelievers love this verse, right? Who are you to judge? Well, we are to judge, but it's within the church. So, very interesting. We must use discernment, We must be in prayer, seeking wisdom, seeking the Holy Spirit, if we think we are going to bring something to another brother and sister, and really examine first our own walk, judge ourselves, and by what standard. Jesus himself knew this. He walked this out in his ministry, didn't he, at times? He knew when to answer a question, or when to speak into a group of people, or a person's life, or when just to walk on because because of their hardened hearts. You see it. Sometimes they ask Jesus a question, he just he didn't answer. He knew their hearts were hardened and they wouldn't receive the truth and it just it was like throwing pearls to swine as it talks about. So in these first six verses, we get great instructions, right? Great instructions of how each of us should address our brothers and sisters in Christ. How there is a time to bring something up. But if we're going to do that we have to be very cautious in seeking the Lord and seeking the what 's standard and examining ourselves we are to be loving to each other we are to be building one another up and serving each other. so we are called to hold each other accountable we are that 's not what this is not saying, but there 's a time to do that, and also though we 're not doing this to judge someone for what they 've done or condemn. Each other. We're not here to condemn each other. That's not what we're here to do. So let's look at the next lesson for today's message in Matthew chapter seven. Look at verses seven through eight. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you asked for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asked receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus now gives another teaching or lesson on how we should pray. We just went over the Lord's Prayer two weeks ago. But in this lesson, it's a little different. So in the Lord's Prayer, we got an outline or an example of how we should pray. Pray like this, he said. But today, Jesus gives three actions. I believe they're actions that we should each take continually in prayer. So... When we each pray, think about your prayer life. Do we just pray about something one time and we're done? I did it, prayed for it, done. I don't think many of us pray like that. Is this, when you think about that, I mean it sounded silly maybe to some of you, but think about this, the picture of the relationship. Jesus is seeking that we would seek Him because He wants a relationship with us. As I talked about the marriage last time and I talked about prayer. Is Praying once, Lord, give me this. That's it. Is that how you have a relationship with someone? Is that what Jesus would seek from you, that you just give your list of demands and move on? Prayer is a continual, daily, by the hour at times, part of being a child of God. He wants fellowship with us. He wants to know us more. He wants us to know Him more. Turn to Proverbs 8.17. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Do we truly search out Jesus in prayer? Is that how your prayer life looks? I mean, we went through the outline how you should pray, but this is a little different. This is about seeking him out, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, and then he says the door will be opened. I was reading a commentary and it said this in the Life Application Study Bible. It says... Jesus tells us to persist in pursuing God. People often give up after a few half-hearted efforts and conclude that they cannot find God. Knowing God takes faith, focus, and follow-through. And Jesus assures us that we will be rewarded. Don't give up in your efforts to seek God. Even when the doors seem closed, continue to ask Him for more knowledge, patience, wisdom, love, And understanding, he will give them to you. Jesus asked for us to be steadfast and faithful in our prayer life. That we continue to seek him as we would continue to seek our spouses in a relationship. So Jesus has more to say. Look at verses, we're back in Matthew. Look at verses 9 through 11. He has more to say about this. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do they give him a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Again, we get another illustration, right? He gives the main lesson, and then he gives an illustration right afterwards. It's a picture. It's a promise, really. It's a promise that us as children of God, as God's children... He wants to bless us. That's what he says. Again, I just love this, and this analogy as he shows us, because there's many parents in here, or they can relate. It's a picture how every parent desires to bless their children. Every parent desires that. We always hope to provide and give them the very best, don't we? And God will do the same for each of us. God does the same for each of us. Now, sometimes... Because we know as parents, sometimes you know that when we pray, it would seem maybe that God isn't answering. Or maybe that we're not receiving the things that we've asked for. That happens, doesn't it? I see this back to that picture as parents and children and that relationship that we have. We do. We want to bless them, we want to give them all the things that they need. But sometimes when a child asks for something, we know, we know because we're a little older sometimes, maybe a little wiser, that what they're asking for may truly not be a blessing to them. They may think it would be. Or maybe, as they're asking, maybe the timing isn't right. We do. We want to bless our children. But again, as we think about especially as parents, it's easy to relate to. We, We know that sometimes the things they ask for truly will not bless them. In fact, they could harm them. So God, we have that same relationship with the Father. We trust God because He loves us. He wants to bless us. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Let's read the last verse for the day, verse 12. Everyone knows this verse. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus kind of gives a summary of his teaching here doesn't he of he a lot of teachings a main theme or maybe even you could say a conclusion to all he's been teaching that we are to live as children of God and this is what if we are to live as children of God this is what is expected from each one of us from God is this how we live Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Is this the only time this is mentioned? No. Turn to Galatians. Galatians 5.14. 5.14 and 15. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. It goes back to this judging thing, doesn't it? So Jesus now, again, He has set for each one of us the mark, the bullseye, right? That we're to aim for. Who we're to be as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, as those that have called Jesus Lord. He set it. He set the target. This is who we are to be. This is where each of us live out our lives and this is what we try to attain as Christians as we read the Bible, he instructs us. And I love this. I, I asked the question a few weeks ago how do, I be, how do I become the person that God has called me to be? But the real question wasn't how do I become that person, but who is the person that God has called me to be? And he's laying it out here in this Sermon on the Mount. He's giving us instructions, one by one, one by one, giving us instructions. And he's showing each of us how we can live our lives in a way that is pleasing to him, not to anyone else. Pleasing to the one who has given our li- his life for each one of us. Pleasing to the one who has saved us. You know, closing up here, we're going to take communion, but I wonder, have each one of us started our day seeking through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey these instructions that Jesus has given us? Do we look at these passages and go this is who i want to be and the reason i want to be is because i love you lord not because there's rules and regulations or the bible's it's because i love you jesus so i want to be obedient to you i want to be pleasing to you i want to read a little bit more about judgmental because this really struck home for me and a commentary that i really respect and i personally know him very well actually i'd be sharing and visiting his church here when I go back to the States. His name is David Guzik. And uh, he gave uh, some steps here for us to examine, because we're supposed to examine our own lives. So we're supposed to judge ourselves. You say, well, no, I'm not really judgmental. So here, tell me what you... I'm going to give you... I don't know if five or six... There's six of them. So see how many you can answer yes to. First one. So the command is not to be judgmental, right? To the people in the church. We break this command when we think the worst of others. Is that a yes or no? I'm keeping track. For me. <laughs> we break this command when we only speak to others of their faults. Number three, we break this command when we judge an entire life only by its worst moment. Guilty. We break this command when we judge the hidden motives. Of others. What about that one? We break this command when we judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstances. We break this command when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. It's from David Guzik. I'm guilty. All of them. At some point or another, I'm guilty of all of them. And many of them that's very weak. I'll tell you very honestly. Um, I repented as I studied this passage. Um, I asked for forgiveness, and then I also prayed that the Holy Spirit would just empower me not to not to do this. That I would stop looking at others and judging them. And just continue to walk out the calling He's given my life and to seek God's will for my own life and be busy about the things that He's given me to do and stop worrying about what other people are doing or not doing. And I, By the way, I'm not justifying them other people. <laughs> not at all. I'm not justifying them other people. I'm saying, it, what's, look at me, my part. So Jesus now has instructed us each, as Christians, as brothers and sisters, to build one another up. Is what He said. To not condemn each other, And then He finished today's and given us further instructions on prayer. To be continually in prayer. To be continually in fellowship with Him. To ask, to seek, to knock. And then Jesus promises. gives us a promise. That each of us, if we will seek Jesus in this way, that we will receive, He will answer, and we will find Him, the door will be opened. So again, we are called to be persistent in our relationship with God. Through prayer. Today we're gonna to take communion. And part of taking communion is what? To examine oneself. And here we are. So Jesus again has given this outline here in the Sermon of the Mount for each of us. I talked about a little bit earlier of who we are to be as children of God, as ones that have been placed our faith in Jesus, as his followers. And you know, today's message really did convict me. And you know, it's my heart condition. Again, it goes back to my heart. It's not, I'm not saying I'm out there all the ways doing this. It's my heart. And that's why I stuck, I actually had a different title on the message and I went and changed it. Because it all comes back to my heart again. Judgment. Judging others. I need to look at my own walk. Stop looking at other people's. And I also was reminded through these passages that I need to continue to seek God in prayer. Because in my NIT it says, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Heavenly Father, we just ask for your blessing on us, Lord, as we come before you in obedience, Lord, but really not just in obedience, but in love, Lord. As we take this time and we set aside, Lord, to take communion or observe the Lord's Supper, some call it, Lord. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that for everything that you've done for us, Lord, that As we can be convicted of our sins, Lord, as we look and the Holy Spirit brings it to our forefront of our mind that many things in our lives, Lord, that maybe we've been doing are not glorifying or edifying to you. But Lord, you love us, Lord. You love us and we're your children. So we can just come before you, Lord, and then you give us and you empower us, Lord, to walk through that, Lord, and just continue to learn how to be your children, to learn how to overcome these things in our lives. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just, as we take the cup and we take the bread, Lord, and we just praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, that your body was broken, that our sins were paid for, and that, Lord, through this, Lord, we can have everlasting life, Lord. But even more than that, Lord, we also come into the promises as we look towards the resurrection, Lord, and we look through the freedom, That there is no condemnation. No more. It was finished. And then we look to the promise, Lord, of eternal lives. Lord, that we get to spend our eternity with you in your arms in heaven, Lord. The place that there's no more fear, no more disease, no more hurt, no more pain, no more sin. Lord, we just praise you and thank you, Lord, for giving your life, for giving your son. So, Lord, we partake now, Lord. And we do this, again, just in love, Lord. So please, Lord, is anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord? I just pray, Lord, that they would just uh, accept you. They would come to faith in you and know you. And Lord, they just receive this gift that you've given us, Lord. So Lord, we take of the bread and we take of the juice in obedience and love. In Jesus' name, amen.